Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. The scripture reading for today comes from Psalm 64. The text of the passage will be on the screen as I read. Hear me, my God, as I voice my complaint. Protect my life from the threat of the enemy. Hide me from the conspiracy of the wicked, from the plots of evildoers. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. They shoot from ambush at the innocent. They shoot suddenly without fear. They encourage each other in evil plans. They talk about hiding their snares. They say, who will see it? They plot injustice and say, we have devised a perfect plan. Surely the human mind and the heart are cunning. But God will shoot them with his arrows. They will suddenly be struck down. He will turn their own tongues against them and bring them to ruin. All who see them will shake their heads in scorn. All people will fear. They will proclaim the works of God and ponder what he has done. And the righteous will rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. All the upright in heart will glory in him. This is God's word. You may be seated. Good morning, friends. Uh, who was I talking to last night? Was that last night that you were looking at this picture? And that's, that's the one you found. That's, that's good. That's good. Uh, can you hear me OK? Maybe. Uh, good morning, friends. It's good to see you. Um, my name's Dayton, and uh, that's me. And I think that was Thatcher. I think that was our third kiddo. I, I've, I've met most of you, um, I, probably not all of you, but um, my name's Dayton. I'm one of the elders here, uh, and I've been, thanks, David, uh, been, been here at Trinity City Church for the last 10 years. Um, uh, we, we showed up on week two, October 17th, 2010, after Trinity launched, uh, and, and my family has, has enjoyed community with you all for the last 10 years. Um, as a bit of a personal update to start, if, if I haven't seen you, if I haven't talked to you in the last some months, we'll call it. Uh, my family and I moved to Nebraska. Uh, just last month, we bought a house in Wahoo, Nebraska. Um, and as my, as my good and very blunt friend Greg, who did call to worship this morning, asked uh, after hearing that, uh, his question was, why? Um, so <laughs> if, if you're not acquainted, and as if the, the abundant evidence of the goodness of the state of Nebraska isn't already clear to you, um, we moved to Nebraska. That's where both me and my wife are from. Both of our parents are in Nebraska. Um, so we're, we're going to be much closer to family uh, in our new home. And that's, I, I mean, in a word, that's, that's the long and the short of it is we're moving to be closer to our family. Um, but that's, that's been a hard thing, friends. Uh, it's been a hard thing. I'll, I'll tell you the truth. And that's why I asked David to grab a couple of Kleenexes. So um, my goal for this morning uh, in, in preaching with you for for one last time, one last round in the pulpit with you at Trinity, um, is to do a few things. I, you know, as, as far as I see it, we, we often talk about elders and deaconesses at Trinity City Church as being the spiritual mothers and fathers of the church. It's a healthy way of looking at those, those leadership groups. Um, but I think by my math, this sermon and, and kind of doing my last sermon at Trinity as elder, this kind of moves me into fun uncle status, which is... 
something that I've always felt I, I fit that role better anyway. So um, this means like if you if any of you want to come to Nebraska as you're driving through, as many people do to the state of Nebraska, you can stop by. We can I'll let you have like a full can of soda, and I won't tell Brian. Um, <laughs> We can sit around and talk about Arianism if you want. I mean, we'll talk about it. I probably won't go too far with it, but that's a theological joke for anyone that's like. Um, uh, so uh, I, we'd be happy to see you. I, I will keep my job here in the Twin Cities. I'll be back with some level of regularity, but um, uh, I, I am I'm excited about being your fun uncle uh, going forward. Uh, this is what I want to do this morning. Uh, so what we're going to do what we do every week, which is we're going to let Scripture be our leader. Um, and so we're going to preach through Psalm 64. And there's, it, but, but I'm going to use it more as uh, something of a launching point. This would be a bit of a personal sermon. Um, but I want, I want to consider three questions with you this morning. Uh, so for you outliners, uh, warm up your pencils. Uh, I, I'm going to take a, I'm going to make a candid assessment of what the last 10 years have been. I'm going to try to try to give it to you as, as best as I see it and as, as good as I see it. Um, and I want to look at the, the road, where we have been. Uh, I want to look ahead uh, to the road and, and where we're going. What is the road ahead? Uh, and then lastly, I want to, I want to stop and, and think with you about what does the destination look like? So where have we been? Where are we going? And what does the destination look like? That's what we're going to do here this morning. Uh, before we jump into that, though, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that us gathering this morning would be about you. It would be because of you. It would be for you. It would be to your glory. Uh, I pray that you would lead us this morning. I pray that these words would be um, a reflection of your love to us, uh, that we would ponder together the good things that you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, where have we been, friends? Uh, for, for 10 years, we've, we've co-labored uh, in ministry for this city, for the good of this city. I've linked arms with you and loved uh, serving this city with you. Um, we've seen joy and we've seen pain. And I I want to rehearse some of those memories with you because I, I want to give you a sense of what of what that church life is. If if you've been with us for that, whether you're whether this is week one for you or week twenty one or week two hundred and ten, um, I, I want you to get a sense for what what church life has been here at Trinity City Church. And the story that the story that I think best articulates this, um, and the impression I want to leave with you is is a conversation my wife had with our our good friend Carissa. Uh, recently, who was, who just had her first kid, and Whitney and Carissa were talking, and, and they're both thinking as, as moms and new moms, and, and they're rehearsing the experience of what it feels like to be pregnant, what it feels like to have, have a child kicking inside of you, and the life inside of you, and they both had this, this kind of full and, and pregnant, quite literally, um, experience that they were just rehearsing, and it struck me that, like, there was no, there's no picture that they could take. There was no there's no way that they could actually grab that experience, um, but I, as I just listened to them talk, I knew that like that was, such was the experience of life. Life was, is just full, um, and that that has been my experience. And, and so I just want to rehearse some of those some of those moments with you, um, like like Whitney and Carissa were in that moment. But as I look back on ten years, um, 
I, I think about moments where I sit down with the, my close group of, of guy friends at Dunn Brothers Coffee on Grand, and we had this habit of every time one of us uh, found out that we were going to have a baby, we'd bring the ultrasound picture. And I think, Greg, you might have started this. Uh, but you took the ultrasound picture and you slammed it down on the table as the announcement to say, like, we're having a baby. And then it's the young enthusiasm of someone who's about to be a dad and the celebration that comes. And, and then uh, my wife and I found out we were having twins, and I slapped down two pictures, which was, you know, a little bit of a mic drop moment. But Taylor, who was at the table, said, you have to come up with two names. And, like, that was, like, <laughs> the most amount of work that he could contract. I was like, I, that I'm not so worried about. Um, there's other memories like the Easter dinner that we had uh, when a young man named Wally was kicking the tires of the faith um, who had come from, from an Islamic background. And we, we, hosted int- uh, we hosted Easter dinner and in the small little kitchen at our apartment in Highland, we're prepping the meal and Brian comes into the kitchen a little bit frazzled and he goes, is, is this meat halal? Uh, and I'm looking as chicken sits next to ham, sits next to, you know, anything else. And, and, I, and I was just like gripped by the nature of ministry in the city, right? And, and that story goes on and, and a, a dear brother named Nico who speaks Aramaic, right? Um, like puts his arm around Wally and like reads the Bible with him. Uh, beautiful story. Wally got baptized at Trinity. Beautiful story of ministry in the city. Watching Juan Soto greet a brother. Um, I, I have a compulsion to greet new people here at Trinity. That's just something that God's put in me. Um, and so I, I, I've, I'm off, often there, but one Sunday morning seeing a, a brother that speaks Spanish come in, and he was sitting by himself, and I had this compulsion, like, someone's got to go greet that brother, and Juan Soto beats me to it, as Juan Soto often does, uh, to his credit, uh, and greets him in Spanish, puts an arm around him, and, and the, the gift and the beauty that is to see someone greet someone in the gospel in their native tongue, good memories. Watching Easter baptisms as the sun pours into these windows, and new believers profess their faith in Christ sometimes for the first time among the body of believers. And then we hang out and have Easter dinner, and we play, and we go to the park, and then we hang out long enough that we have a second Easter dinner. Um, All great gifts. We've seen some very competitive basketball games at the church retreat. Some of us may be a little too competitive on the court. (coughs) Mike McElroy. I've seen a lot of beauty in, in the midst of all of you. I have deep, fond memories uh, of worshiping God with you in the cities. But church life is not just uniformly beautiful. Church life's also painful. The other half of the story of when we had twins, um, the day that we had the twins, uh, was a bit of a surprise, emergency C-section, et cetera, et cetera. It's a bit of a dramatic arrival that my first two kids had. Uh, and then we, we called um, our good friends Nick and Steph, and we're celebrating that moment with them. And, and they shared the news that they had their, their second miscarriage about that same time. In church ministry, I've had a front row seat to watch as, as different members, different people in this church have walked their lives into calamity from decisions they've made. I've seen the difficult position of a spouse who's unsure of their partner's commitment and devotion and the difficult position that puts them in. 
I've seen the ravages of unchecked mental health and decline and the crippling effects of depression and anxiety. I'm obviously leaving these things vague. I've seen cancer strike with its cold and indiscriminate ruinous effects on friends and families. I've seen people just crippled at the notion that it could come back. I've seen pride and jealousy set into friendships and drive them to destruction, where bitterness and cold silence becomes the new norm. Friends, life in the church isn't just uniformly beautiful and happy. Dayton, if you're, if you're trying to convince me to belong to a church and stay here, you're doing a miserable job. You might be thinking that right now. Um, I want you to know it, and I want, and I want to move, move us toward, but I want you to feel it, right? I, I, want you, I want you to feel that. I want you to feel the great highs. I want you to know the great lows, because before we're done here, we're going to consider what the gospel means for all of those experiences. So I know I'm doing a miserable job selling church to you. So let's, let's keep going because actually it, it, uh, it gets worse before it gets better. So let's keep pressing in to Psalm 64. I want, I want to let David in Psalm 64 be our lead. And so second point, what is the road ahead? So as we look back, that's what we see. And, and now I want to look at what does the road ahead? Let's read the first, first six verses of the psalm again uh, to, to hear what David said. Psalm 64, 1 through 6. Hear me, my God, as I voice my complaint. Protect my life from the threat of the enemy. Hide me from the conspiracy of the wicked, from the plots of evildoers. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. They shoot from ambush at the innocent. They shoot suddenly without fear. They encourage each other in evil plans. They talk about hiding their snares. They say, who will see it? They plot injustice and say, we have devised a perfect plan. Surely the human mind and heart are cunning. What, what I gave you as the first example is beauty and brokenness. The second category is brokenness. It's the brokenness of creation after the fall. But what David has in view here is evil, is, is willful evil. There is evil outside in the world, and there's a distinction between brokenness and evil. And what David has in view is the, is the latter. The psalmist David is pointing to the people that, that want his demise. That, that type of willful evil exists in our world. And I I'm reminded of this. So while we fight brokenness, we also fight evil. And I'm reminded of this, that the work of the church is important because on, on several occasions, we used to live down in West 7th, uh, which is just down the hill. We always kind of refer to ourselves as, as down the hill people. You Mac Grovers and Miriam Parkers are you're kind of the snooty up the hill people from our perspective. Um, 
but bumping into neighbors and neighbors that catch you on the sidewalk and, and you just kind of signal to yourself that you're open, you give them a hello um, and you smile and you nod and that's enough of an open door for them to start sharing about their personal lives and the divorce that they just went through and their kid that's struggling. Let me encourage you as a church, the work that you do is important. This city is hurting because there's real evil out there. There's people that like suffer real harm from that. So there's a, there's a neighbor that I talked to just a, just a week before I left um, and just kind of poured this stuff out to me on the sidewalk. And, and I took that as a moment to say, and we, and we talked. I, I did my best to get her to come and, and join us and, uh, and worship with us here at Trinity. She's got, she's got some other theological things that, that we talked about. Um, so she's not here this morning, but I just want to encourage you to, to lean into those spaces, be faithful in those moments. Uh, the city needs you. This, this city's hurting. It needs you. But I also want to look closely at verse 6 with you. Uh, and this is quite unplanned, but Greg's call to worship is, is very in line with this. Um, verse 6 says, Surely the human mind and heart are cunning. And, and I want you to see that the evil isn't just out there, uh, but that the evil is in here. Um, so while you have brokenness and you have evil that's outside uh, and there's, there's planning and cunning for your demise outside, there's also evil in our heart. Uh, there's evil that lives right inside us. And, I, and as I look back on 10 years of, of walking with you all and, and ministry with you all, um, some of the more heartbreaking things are the things that I've said, and the things that I've done, the things that I've left unsaid um, among us. Because just as Greg pointed to, the motivations of the heart are a tricky thing. They're, they're not always clear. They're, they're, not, abundantly, they're not abundantly clear, and, and we, have, we have a really hard time assessing them and saying, yeah, that's, that's exactly why I did that thing. We have a hard time getting to that level of clarity with our motivations, and so as, as a result, that evil lives inside of us. That, so when David says, surely the human mind and heart are cunning, we deceive ourselves. So, you're, so here's, here's where we're at. Dismal picture, right? You know, thanks for coming back to give us all a downer sermon, Dayton. Um, brokenness exists. Life in, life in the church is beautiful, but it's also broken. Evil exists in our world, both outside, but also in our hearts. And, and it gets to be a little bit of a dismal picture. Uh, but lest I leave you with, with that, let's, let's finish by putting some time into what does our destination look like? Where are we going? And what, is it, what does the finish look like? Psalm 64 concludes with these verses. Verse 7 starts and says, But God will shoot them with his arrows. They will be suddenly struck down. He will turn their own tongues against them and bring them to ruin. All who see them will shake their heads in scorn. All people will fear. They will proclaim the works of God and ponder what he has done. The righteous will rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. All the upright in heart will glory in him. The destination, friends, looks like verse 9. All people, all people will see God for who he is. They will proclaim the works of God and ponder what he has done. Friends, I want to turn, I want to turn you to good news. 
Verse 7, my modern ears, and maybe yours too, read that uh, with a little bit of offense to think that God would rise up and shoot an arrow toward the evildoers. But what I want you to hear is the good news in that. God is active. He is not passive. Our God acts. Our God has a spine and a will, and He will not let evil prevail. What I want you to hear in that is that our God is active. Our God cares. You can say many things, and indeed the Psalms encourage us to say those many things when we're confronted with painful stimulus when we're confronted with deep brokenness and evil, he encourages us to pour those out to him. That is the Psalms. The Psalms are a deeply emotive book, and so he encourages us to do this. So you can say many things in that anger, but one thing that you can't say is that God doesn't care. That's untrue. He's gone to too much effort and too much pain on his own behalf for that to be true. Secondly, because that's true, because God cares, I'm encouraging you to be a people that's about redemption. One of the unique identities that we hold as Christians is that we're a, we are a people of redemption because we have been redeemed. I, I bought this house in Nebraska. I knew some work needed to be done to it. One of the projects that needed to be taken care of because it was incorrectly done the first time is the deck needed to be fixed. Over time, whoever installed it, installed it incorrectly, and the, the fastening system that attached it to the house r- got rotten, and the whole deck just kind of sagged a little bit like this. A- and so the whole deck was a little bit of a liability to the house. And my dad came and helped me work on this project, and one of the things that we did in the course of fixing this problem so we got underneath and we, lay, we put a new header, new six by six timber down in the ground below frost line, firm foundation. And then before we fastened this new header to the bottom side of the joist and the deck, we, we, we put basement jacks underneath it and we started cranking on those. And that deck just slowly crept back up and I watched back toward the house and I watched as 15, 20 years of dirt and debris and rot kind of started falling out, and the deck came back up to its original position, and I had this moment of encouragement where it was, the deck, it's back to its original position. It's restored and it's redeemed, and as I watched the dirt and the debris fall away, like, it, I couldn't help but think, like, this is, this is the work of Christians in the world, but my encouragement to you Redemption is slow and hard work. Be patient and be faithful in it. It takes time. Brokenness takes time to heal, but I'm here to tell you the work is worth it. And the last thing I want to share with you, on a positive note again, friends, brokenness and evil produces loneliness. Loneliness is in this city. Loneliness is in this culture. It's hard, and it can be alienating when brokenness and evil inside and out wreak their effects. Anonymity is in abundant supply in city life. It can be tough. It can be tough to feel like you belong. The most beautiful picture that I've come to over 10 years of ministry at Trinity is that community life, 
was just talking to Josiah about this yesterday, so you can tune out if you want, Josiah. Um, the whole purpose of what we do here is to build community and glorify Jesus. We build community. We want to both be known and know others, and that is the process of building community. And so as, as I've seen our community group ebb and flow and change and people come and people go and then a family moves to Nebraska and life goes on and it changes, the whole point of it is to build community and then when some new stranger comes in that looks different from you, that talks different, that has some drama going on, the whole point is to clear a seat, welcome that brother or sister in Christ and say, this is a place where you can belong. There's a seat for you here. Welcome. You belong here with us. And the whole point of that is building community and giving it away, and building community and giving it away. And as best as I can tell, this is precisely the reason that we do that, that painful rhythm and that painful process, is because it's exactly what the Trinity did in creating. When, when the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit existed before all time and will exist, into eternity. The Trinity was sufficient in itself. God was sufficient. And out of his sufficiency, out of his perfect loving community with himself, came to this conclusion fully knowing that one day it would cost the painful death of his son. He created. He created you and me he opened himself up to that risk and the brokenness that we would inevitably bring to that world that he created. And he created anyway. That's the heavenly father that you and I gather this morning to worship. It's the nature of that God. He's good. And so I can conclude with firm resolve, friends, that in the face of much brokenness, evil and uncertainty, Jesus is worth it. Jesus is absolutely worth it. Amen. Thank you, Donnie. I have a letter that I want to read to you, and then I'm done. But I'll just read the letter, um, and then we'll finish our time. To the saints gathered at Trinity City Church, I thank, my, I thank God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel with me from October 17th, 2010 until now. You have shown me the beauty of the gospel and pondered with me the things that God has done. We have walked together through the infancy and toddler years of a church plant. You all have walked with me and showed me what it means to love one another. You've done my laundry. You've fed me and my family. You've, brought, you've bought me groceries when my family was sick with COVID. You've given my children your kids' clothes to the point where most of my kids' closet could be recognized by people in this room. You've sat in my garage with me and pondered the work of the Lord in our midst. You've indulged my enthusiasm for the modern supply chain marvel that is McDonald's breakfast. You've met with me again and again. You've opened the scriptures with me. You've pondered the beauty of the gospel and the work that Jesus has done for us. So while this sermon concludes my work serving you as an elder at Trinity City Church, know that my affections for you remain. 
my celebration of the work you'll do in the Twin Cities remains steadfast. While I won't see you on Sunday or in my garage or over the breakfast table, know there's a family in Nebraska cheering the redemptive work that you're doing here in St. Paul. On behalf of me and my wife Whitney, Elliot, Ruby, Thatcher, and Juniper, thank you for the gift you've been to us and the care that you've shown for us. We look forward to the day when we'll sing together again with you the praises of our Lord Jesus. Amen, brothers and sisters. Amen.